0: He will be exalted. That day is coming. He's he's going to be returning. Boy, I am looking forward to it. I'm so excited. And I tell you, uh, the words of that song just thrill me. And I hopefully after this message, boy, you'll understand why they thrill me so much. And I tell you, I, I'm just excited. I'm, I don't even want to read the scripture. I just want to go right into the preaching right now because that gets that just gets me fired up. Just thinking. About that, but boy, in order for you to know what I'm so excited about, I've got to do some introductory things, and I, I can't just jump right into the preaching as much as I'm itching to right now. But go to Ephesians chapter two, verse five through eleven. Ephesians two, verse five through eleven. Have you ever, you know, you look back and you know regretted maybe missing out on some big deal? I mean, how? I mean, it wouldn't have been nice if you'd have known to maybe invest in some things like, you know, Apple or Microsoft, you know, back in the day when they were real cheap. I mean, what what if, you, if you'd have known that then? If you'd have known it, you'd have done it, you'd have got the money together, and then you'd be rich now. But, you know, we didn't know. And you missed out on an opportunity, and, uh, you know, you, you think, man, if I could go back in time, I would do this or I'd do that. Well, the great thing about the Bible and some of the things that are uh, waiting for us, the Bible does tell us ahead of time what is going to happen. And we don't have to miss out on some great things. Amen. And I want, us, I want us to look at some things today uh, in, the, in the Word of God that I think ought to really excite us. And hopefully, it will keep you from missing out on a great opportunity. But Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, "...let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus." Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of uh, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now this day has not come yet where every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. There are some people I cannot wait. And this I might be having a bad attitude about this. But there are some people, I can't wait to see them bow the knee before God. I think about some of our leaders that we have in this country. I think about some of the people who call themselves an atheist. And I'm looking forward to seeing them bow the knee and pronouncing that Jesus Christ is Lord, they're going to do it someday. Satan himself is going to someday bow the knee before God. The most powerful people, the most the most outspoken, obnoxious people that just mock and criticize religion. I mean, the intelligent, the quote intelligent group, the smarter than you scientists that are out there that you know no more than us ignorant, simple-minded Christians. I'm looking forward to seeing these people bow the knee before God. I'm looking forward to seeing Charles Darwin bow the knee before God. Bow the knee before the Creator. That day's going to come. It hasn't come yet, but it's going to come. A day where all the world will know the truth about the One that we serve, Jesus Christ. Right now, we live in a world today where people, they've accepted lies. They don't know the total truth. And they don't understand it all. Someday, though, that they will. Today, But today, it's not that day. We live in a world where the name of Jesus is mocked, blasphemed, hated, and even in some cases, unknown. I mean, it's sad today. Jesus Christ, the One that God has highly exalted, the One who has a name that is above every name, you can't turn on a television without hearing people say Jesus Christ in a derogatory way. Without hearing them say, you know, oh my, and God, and then putting an expletive after it, you can't go, I mean, you can, can't walk down the street hardly without hearing the name of God blasphemed and the name of Jesus Christ blasphemed. We're not in this day yet, but we're coming to that day. The world, through the help of places like Hollywood and the liberal news media, has successfully made Christians and Bible believers look like we're the weirdos. They'll call us things like bigots, narrow minded, Bible thumpers, right wing extremists. Or even things like simple and ignorant. Just because we follow the Word of God instead of what they call science. Which, by the way, changes all the time. All the time is changing. Thank God the Bible, it doesn't change. But this kind of attack it's stronger today probably than ever before. And it's been said so loud for so long that many Christians, it's like they've started to believe what the world is saying about us. And... They've made many Christians even change what they believe. I'm not going to get into a lot of the false doctrines and things, but there's a lot there's a lot of false doctrines that have come that a lot of religions are teaching because the scientific group has made them feel foolish. You know, they, well, we've got to believe in creation as Christians. you know the Bible says God created the world. but you know let's throw in that gap theory in there. So we can explain the millions and billions of years and the dinosaurs and all that, which isn't biblical at all. But they've been told so long that they're ignorant and that they're wrong, that they're changing things and changing the Bible. And we don't want to do that. They've even made us just silent. There's some things we don't want to talk, that churches don't want to talk about. They don't want to say anything about it. They'll look like they're ignorant. And really, in some cases, they've even made Christians where they're almost embarrassed for people to find out that they're a Christian. They want to, they'll do everything they can to try to hide who they really are. They will do like Peter. Who Peter when he started when they kept saying, "Hey, you're one of the disciples." He began to curse. Why would he start cursing? Well, because a follower of Christ isn't going to use that kind of language. He decided he was going to he started talking like a lost person and it Got them off their back. Oh, yeah, that's not one of Christ's disciples, and we're the same way. We'll—I mean—we'll do everything we can, and really, I mean, we act like sometimes as Christians we ought to be the most victorious people in the world. But let's face it, many Christians today, even though they're not—listen—if you are saved today, you're a winner. As far as I'm concerned, as far as the Word of God is concerned, you are on the winning side. But yet, we many times act like we're the losers, and I. I and it kind of reminds me of some different sports fans. There's three different kinds of fans. I think there's the fair weather fan. Alright, that's me. I'm just going to be honest with you. With a lot of sports. Okay, today's Super Bowl Sunday. I don't care. <laughs> My team's not there. Okay, and you know, I, I like the Bears. But, you know, they didn't do very good this year. At first, I was kind of paying attention at first and they were doing good. Then all of a sudden it went downhill. and I like, forget it. You know, that's me. I'm a fair weather fan. When my team's doing good, I'm there cheering them on. That's just, that's the way it works. Um, there is the diehard fan. Now, those are the ones that, hey, it doesn't matter how bad their team stinks. You say something against their team, man, they're not, they're not going to appreciate it. I mean, they'll wear the clothes. They don't care. I mean, their team could have just gotten trounced and they'll still, they'll gladly. And proudly, you know, they'll wear the Chicago Bears or uh, Chicago Cubs or whatever. I mean I mean people even wear Saint Louis Cardinals clothes. Why they would do that, I have no idea, but they will they will wear that. Diehard fans. <laughs> you can probably guess what fan I am after saying that. But uh, just just diehard. And Cub fans, boy, they're really like that. They're I mean, just diehard. I mean no matter how bad they stink, seems like that stadium's always full of people. And then you've got and this is this is probably me more with the with the Cubs is the embarrassed fan. It's like yeah, I, I like the Cubs, but you know I don't advertise it too much. I told you before when I worked at Walmart, we were in the factory. You know there was a lot of rivalries between the guys. You had the Cub fans, the White Sox fan, and the Cardinals fans, and then. The fans of something else that nobody cared about, but they were always kind of fighting with each other. And whenever the Cubs were doing bad, which was most of the time, everybody liked to pick on the Cub fans. You know, they like you know if the Cardinals would play the Cubs and beat them, you know they would be every time they go by on that day saying stuff and just kind of making fun of you. And I was I was a Cub fan. And one of the years the Cubs did really good; they went to the playoffs, almost went to the World Series. The year of the Bartman incident. If you're a Cub fan, you'll remember that. And I, you know, but I remember I kind of, I kept it quiet most of the time because, you know, I was like, I don't want to deal with all that stuff. And especially when I knew my team stunk. And I'm like, I'm not getting in those arguments. You know, and I mean, the, the other guys, no matter what, you know, this is the Cubs' year. I mean, they're, they're going to make it. You know, this is, they're going to go all the way. I mean, they were hopeful and they believed it. And even when they just flat out stunk, they still believed they were the best team. But then there was me. I just, I kept quiet. Didn't want to say anything. If people pressed me, I'd tell them, yeah, I, I tend to be, I tend to be a Cub fan. But you know, I kind of acted like my team was losers. (laughs) And in that case, it was true. It usually is. It usually is true with them. But for Christians, we should never be like that. I mean, we ought to be the diehard. And right now, it doesn't really. In a lot of ways, it doesn't look that good. We do constantly see the name of Christ blasphemed. We see him mocked. We see Christians portrayed as all kinds of things on the on television, except for anything that's good. And it's real easy to think, man, we're losing right now, and it does seem that way on the surface. But we know the way it's going to end. We know what's going to happen. Jesus Christ will be exalted. That day's coming. But the type of fan that you are, it shows really what you think or how much you care about your team. So I obviously don't care that much. Because I said I am fair weather with some of them. I am embarrassed on some of them. But what the way the world thinks about Jesus, or the reason the world thinks the way they do, about Jesus, There's a reason that they think the way they do. And as Christians, we, we know better. We shouldn't fall for this. But they look at the first coming of Christ. And if you look at the first coming of Christ, you can kind of see where they get some of their ideas and where they're coming from. Think about it. When Jesus Christ first came, He was born in a manger. He was born in a little town of Bethlehem. Nobody knew. I mean, it was no big deal. and Nobody cared. Even when his parents tried to find a place to stay where she could have that baby, they had to do it in a stable because there was no room for them in the end, Nobody paid attention. You know, these days... Uh, We see all the time whenever some celebrity is going to have a baby. I mean, it's just this huge deal. I mean, oh my goodness, you know, Beyonce is going to have a baby, you know, or all the, everybody just goes crazy over it. I told you before, I'll never forget when Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie had one of their kids. I mean, the people were so excited to see it, and they didn't want everybody seeing the baby and, you know, flashing pictures of it and stuff. And so they had a wax figure made of their baby. And I remember they had these wax figures of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie holding a wax figure of their baby. And it's surrounded by photographers taking pictures of it. It was in the front of a magazine. A picture of a wax figure of some celebrity's kid. And I'm thinking, who cares? (laughs) I mean, who really cares? But people obviously cared. People obviously wanted to watch. They were watching the news about it. They were watching, they were buying the magazines. People did care. We're always hearing about these things, and people think that that's a big deal. I mean, just look at all that happens. I mean, you know, everybody's excited. I don't even know if she's had the baby yet. You know, the princess over in England isn't she supposed to have a baby or something? You know, I mean that oh, oh, that's royalty. A new you know prince is born or whatever, I mean everybody's gonna get all excited about it, but when Jesus and people, because of that, they think hey this is a big deal, this is something really great. But when Jesus was born, nobody paid attention. Nobody cared, nobody noticed. Now heaven noticed. There was a multitude of heavenly hosts that the shepherds saw. Those shepherds knew. Mary and Joseph knew, but that was about it. The wise men they saw a star and they showed up a couple years later. But I mean, no, hardly anybody really knew about it. So at his first coming, there wasn't really anything that exciting. But you know, at Jesus' second coming, and that's what we know about. The Bible says he's coming in the clouds, flying in on a white horse with the four and twenty elders. We see that in Revelation chapter nineteen. Verse 11, we're not going to take time to read that, but he's going to show up that day on that battle of Armageddon, and he is going to defeat the armies of the world just with the sword from his mouth. He's just going to speak the word, and the armies, I mean, they will be wiped out. That's how it's going to be in his second coming. And if you're saved today, you're going to be with him in that battle. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, that's an exciting story. We don't have time to get into it too deep. But also, they they remember when Jesus was dying on the cross. You know, they we see the picture of Jesus on the cross. They see those crucifixes. Well, that doesn't look that doesn't look too exciting. That doesn't look too great. It's a, it's actually a very uh, it's a it's a very disgusting sight. I mean, somebody being nailed to the cross after being beaten. But the real, the truth is, you and I know that's a picture of our sins. That's not a beautiful thing. That's a picture of our sins. It's a disgusting thing it's beautiful to us because we understand what he was doing for us on that cross. But you know what our savior, he didn't stay on that cross. I like crosses, I'm all for crosses and things, but I don't think we need to have a cross with Jesus on. He's not on that cross anymore. He's not in that tomb anymore. He resurrected from that tomb. He's ascended to heaven. He's not there anymore. But I mean, think about his Jesus disciples, the opportunity they missed. Jesus told them I'm going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men and I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. But you know where all the disciples were when Jesus rose from the dead? They were all hiding. They were all in hiding. I mean, imagine being there when the stone is rolled back and Jesus comes walking out. I mean, think about how great that was. I mean, the soldiers couldn't handle it. They just fell over like dead men. They just got scared and boom. I mean, just fell down like, I mean, just like they were dead. Probably fainted scared them. But imagine, Jesus told them it was going to happen. And they missed it. They could have been there. I mean, they should have, in all reality, with the things that they were taught by Jesus Christ, there is no reason at all why they should not have been at the cross and said, hey, do like Moses told the children of Israel. Look and live. Remember when Moses he put that serpent on the pole after they'd been bit by those fiery serpents and they were going to die. And Moses told me, said, he said, look and live, and they would look at that serpent on the pole and they would live. And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up in the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. When we look at Jesus Christ on that cross, it's a picture of our sin. And when we call on him for salvation, he saves us. They should have been preaching that there at the cross. I mean, can you imagine? I've heard some great messages on the cross. But imagine if they could have been preaching it while it was happening. But no, he was there alone. For the next 3 days. They should have had a revival meeting going on there at the tomb. Hey folks, come and see the place where the Lord's lay. He's not going to be here much longer, folks. Come see, hey, just 3 days, one more day. He's he's coming up from that grave. He's going to rise, he's going to resurrect. He said it was going to happen. Come watch it. You can believe it, trust me, folks. This is the guy who raised people from the dead. This is the one who healed sickness, that cleansed lepers. This is the one that did all that. He's going to rise from the dead, but they didn't do it. They were all in hiding because they were afraid they were going to get killed too. And they missed probably the greatest event that you could have ever seen. I mean, that would have beat watching the Red Sea open up. And they missed it. They were acting like a bunch of cowards and a bunch of losers in hiding. They should have been there. But at Jesus' first coming, when Christ came, He was rejected as the Messiah. Isaiah 53 Verse three prophesied that that would happen. He'd be despised and rejected of men, a man acquainted with sorrows and griefs. Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, he was he was hated by many. You know, he had some big followers. We see several stories where Jesus Christ had multitudes following him. But you know what? Just as quick as he would get the crowd, he'd lose the crowd too. They were constantly leaving him. They'd get offended at something that he said, and they would all leave. And so and when it finally came to the end, there wasn't a multitude. There was a few of the women that were there at the cross. John was at the cross. Nobody was at the tomb. So Jesus Christ in his first coming, nothing that great. Nothing that excited happened. He he was rejected. But at his second coming, the Bible says in Revelation nineteen, verse sixteen, that he had on his vesture and a name on his thigh written, said King of Kings and Lord of lords when he comes that second time he's coming as king of kings and Lord of lords he's coming back as the, as the ruler of this world he's going of this world he's going to rule the world in righteousness and I I am looking forward to that day and by the way he's planning on using us in his kingdom he's planning on using his people you know I mean on on in this world that we live in today in this country if you Follow the Word of God. If you stay faithful to the Word of God, I mean, chances are you're not going to make it real far politically. Chances are you're not going to get elected as President of the United States. You know, I'm not, listen, there's nothing wrong with running for office. I think Christians ought to do that stuff. I think we ought to get involved in that stuff. But you know what? I'm not real interested in moving up politically on this earth because it's temporary. And let me tell you, people in this country will turn on you fast. I mean, they will turn on you fast. They will love you one day and hate you the next day. I mean, you ever see these presidents' approval ratings the way they're just roller coasters? Like, how fickle are people? I mean, me, it's always disapproval across the board. y'all. You know? But uh, they it's how, it's how they are. But you know what? I'm thinking about when the true King of Kings comes and He sets up His kingdom on this earth. And I want them to use me. I'm, I'm, interest, I'm more interested in that. That's what I'm looking forward to. Because that day is coming. and Jesus Christ's first coming, we see Him being cursed and mocked on the cross. We see people spitting on Him. Listen to the lost world. That's not a pretty picture. That's not anything that great. That's not exciting. Hanging on a cross? Being mocked? Being spit on? I mean, being made fun of how horrible that was. But at His second coming, a multitude that no man can number Will cry the Lord God Omnipotent reigneth. We see that in Revelation chapter nineteen, verse one through six, and heaven, a multitude that no man can number, in unison singing the Lord God Omnipotent reigneth. singing many of the words to the Hallelujah chorus. I tell you, I love the Hallelujah chorus. I like Handel's Messiah. It's pretty neat. I've heard you know that you hear some of the real fancy choirs singing with real good singing. It's pretty exciting. But imagine when we hear the real Hallelujah chorus in heaven. I mean, imagine being a part of the real Hallelujah chorus in heaven. If you're saved, someday you're gonna be singing it with a multitude that no man can number. I had the privilege one time we went to a music thing up in Schomburg and we got to sing with a choir that had probably four or five hundred people in it. A lot of really good singers. I mean we had there is orchestration stuff going and we're singing with all you know or four hundred people and let me tell you it was pretty neat I really I really enjoyed it I love a good choir and that was exciting but that is going to be nothing compared to the choir that we're going to be singing in someday and I'm looking forward to it it's coming but at Jesus first coming we see him crowned with thorns crowned with thorns. But at His second coming, He'll be wearing many crowns. And if we're faithful, the Bible says we'll be able to cast crowns at His feet. I mean, When you look at what the world sees, they see that first coming. It's not that exciting. And it only is exciting to us as Christians because we know what it all means and we know what it all is leading up to. And so my challenge to all of you today is don't act like we're the losers. When the world sees Christians rolling over in, in defeat and acting like losers, they're going to get a bad impression of the one that we serve. But when you... For a good example of this, we go to a competition, we help in it every year, and uh, judge different things like music and acting and things. And we'll go there, and sometimes you'll have a kid who comes walking in there and he comes walking in by himself and he'll go and he'll do his little thing. And it's, it's pretty good. But then every once in a while you'll have somebody else come walking in, and with them comes a whole mob of people. I mean, like everybody from their school all comes walking in with them, and I mean you can just you can kind of hear the buzz going. Oh man, this part you can hear them talking. They are really good at this. Way do you hear them? I mean, they're they're great. And sometimes you hear them, they're really good. And then there's sometimes it wasn't that great, but you think it was because of just all the hype that you heard about it. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody came to see it. And you know, for when it comes to the second coming of Christ today, we're not hearing enough people talk about it. We're not there's not enough people getting excited about it. And if anything, people are acting like they're scared of it. And the truth is, that should not be the case. We ought to be looking forward to it. We ought to be excited about it. That day is that day is coming, and we don't want to give people a bad impression. We don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, "I am not ashamed." of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed about what I preach here at this church. When I'm preaching, it comes from the word of God. It comes from the Bible. I mean, what would you all think if I'm preaching on salvation and I'm up here and, you know, well folks, you know, if you want to get saved, you know, you can you can probably try calling on Christ. It might work. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm not saying we're, I'm not saying that's that's it. You know, hey all, you know if you. If you want to be another religion, you want to be a Muslim or Hindu, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against that. I mean, that, that, that's fine, but hey, you, you know, if you want to try Jesus Christ just in case, do I mean, you think that's going to have much of an effect on people? Do you think that's really going to work? I mean, this Bible that we have here, I mean, it's got the answers to life's questions and life's problems. The solutions are here. And if I'm up here, you know, well, you guys might want to try reading your Bible sometime. It, it might work. If I help you, chances are you're not really going to try it. No, hey, this does work. This can change your life. This can help you. And, I, and it works every time. But we've got, we've got to stop acting that way. We don't need to be ashamed. We don't, don't Listen, don't act like the Bible's outdated. Don't get embarrassed about your King James Bible because it says these and nows in it. Don't get embarrassed by that. This Bible, I mean, the Word of God, the way that this King James Bible is translated, it was miraculous what all went into it and the way it all came together and the way it all worked. In this Bible, it is, I mean, it is the inspired, preserved Word of God. I'm not going to get embarrassed about it because it says these and nows and go buy a Bible that's a little more updated with the lingo and with the common jive. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get embarrassed because it uses the term man a lot instead of, you know, mankind or doesn't use enough woman's and go buy me a gender neutral Bible. Because I don't want to offend any of the ladies, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. I don't need to do that. This Bible is not outdated. It applies as much today as it ever did. We don't need to change anything on it. Well, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to offend all the Muslims if we put that in there. We need to change it to Jesus is a way, a truth, and a life. That's just a little difference. No big deal. Hey. No, don't be embarrassed. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We don't need to change it. We don't need to make it sound better. We don't need to do anything with it. Don't be ashamed of the Word of God. It's not outdated. Don't let people make you think that you're ignorant because you choose to follow the Word of God. I mean, call them out on it. When people try to tell me that this Bible's outdated, and when they try to tell me about all the mistakes in the Bible, and they try... Giving me some definition somewhere. I was like, so you're going to put, you know, they'll be like, you're putting all your faith and trust in the Bible? And then we get embarrassed. Listen, turn around and say, you put all your faith and trust in a dictionary? I don't remember God promising to inspire a dictionary. I don't remember that anywhere. I don't remember Him saying He'd preserve it. I don't remember God even saying that He wrote a dictionary. But we do see that He has a word. That he promised to preserve, that he promised to inspire. We have that. Don't let people make you think you're ignorant because you don't go along with the modern day science. Listen, it, it changes all the time. I mean, if you look, we don't have time to go into it, but some of the way that they come up with some of these things, I mean, it is absolutely insulting to human intelligence. The things they try to shove down our throats. I like taking our kids to museums and things, but I tell you, they got a creation museum in Kentucky. That if you ever get a chance, you ought to go there. It's one museum where you're not going to get evolution <laughs> shoved down your throat, and just the stuff that they try to teach us. I mean, my kids see right through it, and they, they, it's it's ridiculous. Don't make them think you're ignorant. I think they're ignorant, and you know what? It's not that I think that they're stupid. I'm not trying to insult them. The Bible says of this, they are willingly ignorant. Scientists on purpose have to ignore the Word of God. Real science is going to back up creation. It's going to back up Noah's blood. It's going to back up the Bible every time. But the Bible says of this, talking about creation, that they are willingly ignorant. They ignore it on purpose. It's kind of like politicians they, you know, they ignore, ignore lots of things. They've got their little agendas they try to push. And whenever the other side goes and gives them, they just, they ignore so much. And that's what many of the science, scientists are doing. Don't let people make you think you're ignorant. Start learning to skillfully use the sword of the Spirit. Get excited about it. It's like, you know what? Hey, I wonder if there's anything else maybe we, I don't want to do like the disciples and miss out on something like that. I'm going to read through this whole Bible. I'm going to read it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to learn how to use it. I want to know how to give an answer to every man that asketh of the hope that is in me. I'm going to study this Bible and learn how to use it. But when you're ashamed to do the things that show that you're a Christian, it really is an insult to God. I mean, what would you all think of me if I said, if you're like, hey, Pastor Tom doesn't wear a wedding ring? I wonder why he doesn't wear a wedding ring. Well, I don't want folks to know I'm married. Why not? Why? Why she? You think my my wife? Well, she wouldn't appreciate that one bit. And I say a lot of folks today they don't. Uh, it's like they they want to hide the fact that they're a Christian. I don't want to dress like a Christian. Well, why not? What do you have a problem with that? What are you ashamed of? There's nothing to be ashamed of. And you, I mean, you may say that dress standards are made by men, and that may be true. But you know, we just ought. And I'm not even saying what all you have to do, but you ought to do it in a way that you feel represents God. If say, well, how is that? Well, one example that's not going on in this country today very much. If you're a man, dress like a man. If you're a woman, dress like a woman. All right, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty simple. And uh, if, we, if you do that, you're going to avoid a lot of the problems. Number, two, and then two, wear clothes. All right, that wear clothes. This time of year, that's fine. You know, it's cold out. But that's another thing, too. People today, uh, that's, that's just a side note there. But when you're disobedient to the commands and the principles of the Bible, when you're disobedient to the Bible, it shows that you obviously don't think there's a whole lot of credibility to it. Listen, I believe in this Bible. I'm not ashamed to use it. I'm not ashamed for people to see me with it. I know it works. I know that church is going to help people. I'm not ashamed. For people to see my car out here at the church. I'm not ashamed for people to see me walking into this church. I'm not ashamed to take some of those tracks and when I see people tell them about my church and give them out. I mean, I'm not ashamed of it. I want to tell people about it. I know it will help and we've got it. we've got to be ready to do that. I challenge you. Take some of those tracks. Give them to people. I was talking to a guy just yesterday and he was talking, he just made the comment. It's like, you know, I don't go to church as much as I should. He didn't even know I was a pastor or anything. And he'd made that comment. I was like, Well, hey. Pulled out a track. Decide to go. Here's one you can go to. Told him I'm not ashamed of it. I know I know it'll help. I'm not ashamed to tell people about Jesus Christ. I know he'll change their life. I know he'll save their soul. And I'm not ashamed I'm not ashamed to follow what the Bible teaches. You know, we can carry it around all we want, but if we don't do what it says, then what good is it? I tell you a lot of people they find out sometimes what gets a lot of New Christians in trouble. boy they get saved, they, you show them in the Bible, it's the first thing you show them how to get saved, and boy, they get saved. It's like, man, I wonder what else is in this book. And they start reading the other things that are in the Bible, and they start trying to do them, and then they get to church, and it's like, uh, how come nobody's, How come nobody's doing this? Well, <laughs> we don't like those parts. Well, what if I didn't like the part about how to get saved? Are we supposed to just pick and choose? Hey, that's not the way it works. But that's what people are doing today and we wonder why we don't have any credibility. We wonder why we're not making a difference. We've got to follow the commands of the Bible. When you're disobedient to the commands and principles of the Bible, you're kind of like a player on maybe a basketball team who doesn't listen to his coach. That doesn't work out too good, does it? they. A lot of times you'll have that player Oh, they think they know better. I know better than the coach. Hey, listen, your job as a player is to listen to the coach. And our job as Christians, you can think you know better than God. And by the way, that's not a good idea. But you can think that all you want. But it doesn't matter. It's our job to follow what God teaches. Sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. Satan seems to be getting the victory. But God sees what's going on. Listen, God knows full well what the situation is in the world. God knows what's going on. He knows what everybody's saying. Well, I just I just heard a new poll that you know, fifty. You know, now it's fifty one percent of religions don't even believe in a hell anymore. Is there not a hell? Because fifty one percent. No, listen. I don't care if ninety nine percent of people believe that there is no hell. The Bible says that there is one. I don't care if we're point zero zero one. We're going to stick with what the Word of God says. And someday everybody's going to know who is right. And it's not that I'm right. It's that the Word of God is right. That day is coming where He will be exalted. That day is coming where Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on earth. That day is going to come where every knee will bow. And I don't know about you, but I I always like, I don't like when I'm behind on things. I like being one step ahead if I can. And I, I would rather, instead of doing it when everybody else is doing it, I'd rather be doing it now. Doing it ahead of time. I you can be you can be able to say that, hey, yeah, I was there. I believed in him when the rest of the world didn't. I was serving him. I was following his commands when the rest of the world wasn't. That day is gonna come where Jesus Christ is gonna rule and reign on earth, where every eye will see him. But in the meantime, I want to be able to say that, hey, I was serving him before I even saw him. I was serving him because I trusted his word. What it what the and Jesus Himself. You might remember the story where Thomas. He wasn't there at the gathering. He missed the first church service after the resurrection. He wasn't there that day, and Jesus Christ showed up, and they all saw Him. And boy, Thomas shows up the next time. And is like, "They're all man, Hey, Jesus was here. I don't believe it." Not until I see it myself, when I see the, you know, the nail prints in his hands and I stick my hand in that hole in his side, I'm not going to believe it. And Thomas didn't believe it. But then the next week, just in case, Thomas showed up for church. Jesus Christ showed up again. He looks at Thomas and he says, Thomas, behold my hands and my side. And Thomas, he looked at him then and he said, my Lord and my God. Thomas, all of a sudden, now he believed like everybody else. He said the right thing, but you know what? Jesus wasn't very impressed with him. Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen, you believe. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. That's you and I today. We haven't seen Jesus Christ. I haven't seen Him yet, folks. I haven't seen Him yet. But I'm going to someday. And you're going to someday. And... The question is, what side are you going to be on when he returns? Are you going to be on that winning side? If you're saved today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're on that winning side, you're on the winning side. And I challenge you to now what we need to do is start acting like it. Start acting like it. We are on the winning side. Jesus Christ is going to be exalted. Don't worry about what it looks like now. you know the chances are more than likely, We've seen the Bible. It's probably going to get a little bit darker before it gets better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But you know what? Let's stay faithful. It's coming. It's almost like a movie. The first time maybe you watch a suspenseful movie, boy, you're on the edge of your seat. You're wondering what's going to happen. But then after you've seen it the second time, you shouldn't be on the edge of your seat anymore. You know what's going to happen. You know it's going to turn out all right. Well, we have the book of Revelation, we have the Word of God. We know what's going to happen. So no matter how bad it gets, we need to realize it's going to be okay. His day is coming, and I want to be serving Him when it does. So let's all stand together, our heads bowed, and eyes closed.